close, listen to the story. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Father 
story, a true story of the day true love died. Tonight we've come to revisit the most somber moment in divine history, a scene that lays bare the intersection of the consequence of men's moral offense. Tonight, We bear witness of the cosmic collision where guilt gave way to grace, where offense was washed over by the offering of love. Judgment meant justice and sin was covered over by sacrifice. In this intersection, true love collided with a heart that would beat for the final time. Or would it? Can you imagine yourself gathered there at the sink? Can you imagine yourself there at the foot of the cross as verse 25 of John chapter 19 indicates? How broken was Mary's heart in this moment? What was running through the souls of the women who were gathered there who saw the heart of Jesus poured out even in his daily life? Come on now, what of John? What of John, this disciple that Jesus adored? It was said of him, this is the one whom Jesus loved. What was filling his soul in this moment? And even as we contemplate their thoughts, have you stopped to consider the thoughts of Jesus? Have you thought to consider what was running through his mind, what was racing through the veins of his heart, even as his heart raced and even as it slowed down? This next thought takes my breath away. Do you know, even like a snowflake, each one individual and unique in its own way, each and every one of you in this room has a unique heartbeat. Each one of your hearts beats at a unique cadence. Psalm 139, the Lord knits you in your womb. Can you consider the fact that your God can identify you by the rhythm of your very heart? And so for as heavy and as somber, as painful as the scene was at the foot of the cross, the weight that you and I feel even in this moment as we contemplate this time, can you imagine? Can you imagine how deafening the silence was in heaven? How eerie the silence was in heaven? The moment that Jesus' heart, the Son of God's heart, beat for the very last time. Friends, tonight, we want you to contemplate 
we invite you to contemplate the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus that beat for you and I. The heart of Jesus which suffered upon the cross. The heart of Jesus which was willingly poured out for you and I. The heart of Jesus which ceased to beat for you and me. Listen to the song that our worship team has written that takes us on a journey to contemplate the heart of our Lord. Savior's heartbeat for humanity and all 
You may be seated. And so what is to be heard? In a heartbeat. What is to be heard in these final heartbeats that we read of in John chapter 19? I'd like to propose to you in these final heartbeats we see and we hear the compassion of Jesus for those he loves. You see, the Lord not only knows the rhythm of you, of your heart and and mine, he also knows how many times our hearts will beat. You know, they were written, every one of them, the days of your life, even before there were days to be counted, so did the Lord know the number of heartbeats your chest would And so now as we gaze upon the foot of the cross, as we contemplate Mary, as she looks up upon we're reminded of this, that when Jesus, in the fullness of time, when the Father in the fullness of time saw fit to send forth his Son, born of a woman, we're reminded in this moment that that call upon Mary's life was not only to feel and to bear Jesus' initial heartbeat in her womb, but this calling also included for her to be present at the final beats of this heart as this heart fulfilled its ultimate charge. She was there. Friends, it's a striking scene. And as striking as the scene is, it reminds us that Mary was a person just like you and I. What you see in the scene before you is simply a mother grieving, a a grieving mother who's mourning the loss of the son whom she raised. Gazing upon the one from whom gave her so much joy in her heart was now watching his heart be poured out for her and even those who were ridiculing him in that very moment. But come on, friends, think on this. As brutal as this image must have been for Mary to take in, stop and consider Jesus' view as he looked down from the cross and looked his mother in the eyes. Verse 28 of John chapter 19 says, when Jesus saw his mother And the disciple whom he loved standing by her, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Friends, here we see in these final moments, Jesus' compassion for his mother, Jesus' compassion for those he loves. This is the heart of our Savior right here. Just stop and consider it. Having been beaten himself, he seems more struck by the defeat that is captured in the gaze of his mother's eyes. Having been mocked himself, still he finds room to honor his mother. Even while he's writhing in his own pain, it appears to me that it's the anguish of his mother in this moment that's capturing his attention most. And perhaps, and perhaps what's racing through both of their minds, perhaps what's racing through each one of their hearts and souls is the prophecy that was told by Simeon when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple as a child to have him blessed over. What was, what was it that Simeon said? Do you remember? For in this very moment, the prophecy of Simeon was fulfilled. Listen to what he says. And his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, Listen, listen, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel for a sign, and for a sign that is opposed. Now this, verse 35, Mary, note this, even as he will be slain, a sword will pierce through your very soul as well. And here, Jesus looks down upon his
mother and what does he see? Friend, consider the tenderness of the moment. Consider the overwhelmness of the moment. Here, here Jesus, here Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus demonstrates just this, this perfect, this perfect selfless love. He goes on to say, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Listen, in this very moment, in this moment of affection, I believe it is among the greatest proofs that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. For what do we see before us? As the son of man, he's caring for the practical needs of his mother. But as the son of God, he's shedding his blood even for her sins, for yours and for mine. This, my friends, this is the compassion of our God. That in the midst of anguish, we see this truth to be fulfilled. Greater love has no man than this. That he would lay down his life for those he loves. And so we marvel. And so we marvel again at the tender compassion and mercy that poured out from these final beats of our Savior's heart. Mercy. Jesus' mercy poured out here. Bye.
Mercy. We see, we hear, we contemplate the compassion that was seen in Jesus' final heartbeats. But now this. What's to be gleaned from that last one? You see, while in the final heartbeats we see his compassion in his final heartbeat, we see his commitment to fulfill the will of his Father. Every beat, every purpose of Jesus' heart, he was committed to fulfill his Father's will. John chapter 6, verse 38 says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, my Father in heaven. You'll remember just hours before, where was Jesus? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and what was he crying out to the Lord? Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, please. Let it pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So the Father, what does he do? He sends an angel which appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and comforting over him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and with sweat becoming like drops of blood. They began to fall to the ground. And so now back in John chapter 19, what do we see? We see these drops of blood give way to streams of, of flow of, his, of, of the blood that is pouring out of Jesus' opened wounds. And the cup that he was praying, oh Lord, would you allow this cup to pass? Now here we see him willingly drinking of the cup. Why? Because he knows it's his father's will. Verse 28 says this, and after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, Jesus knowing, Jesus knowing, Jesus knowing, what I, what I want us to catch here is this, Jesus was cognizantly aware He volitionally laid his life down for you and me. But here in this moment, in a twist of irony, we hear this one who was called the living water cry out these words, I thirst. Of all the words that Jesus could cry out, why these? The text tells us to fulfill the scriptures, to fulfill the prophecies. Jesus knew Psalm 69, verse 22. The Father had preordained in Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 and 2. 
He's right here in this moment fulfilling the Father's will, which recorded in this book of life in ages past. And Jesus cries out, I thirst. And so in verse 29, it says this, a jar full of sour wine stood by there. And so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch, and then they held the branch up to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And then in this very moment, having the sour taste of this on his lips, what was he bearing within his own soul but your sins and mine? Come on, friends, do you see the imagery in this moment? What do we see before us? But Jesus Christ laying his very life down by his own volition. For this reason, Jesus says, the Father loves me. Why? Because I lay my life down that I may take it back up again. No one, no one, no one will take my life from me, but I will lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to raise it back up again. Say amen. This charge I have received from my Father. And so he, refills, he fulfills the Father's will. And so in this moment, he fulfills the Father's will. For in the moment he declared it is finished, it was done. In the moment he declared it was finished, it was done. The earth shook, the veil torn, and here, here as he bore the pain and the penalty of your sin and mine, I have to believe what broke his heart before it stopped beating was the fact that his father had to forsake him there. And then, Jesus gave up his spirit. His body died. The one who took on flesh, the God who has created the universe, the one who sustains the very beat of the heart inside your chest right now, allowed his to stop, allowed himself to die so that you and I could live. Why? Because you see, our God so loved the world. Our God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to pay for our sins so that whosoever would believe unto him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Oh, how deep the Father's love for us. Would you stand with us and sing again?
seated again. And now we come to a divine irony. The final beats of Jesus' heart, for sure we see compassion in those final heartbeats. No doubt in the surrendering of his heart unto death, we see his commitment to the Father. But now this, Here, in the silence, after his heart has stopped beating altogether, John proposes to us that it is these very moments in the silence, in the pain, in the waiting, that we can actually find and embrace our greatest confidence before God. Friends, here, the fact that Jesus died does become amongst our greatest confidence. Here we find the confidence to believe. Here we wrestle, though, not only with the reality that Jesus had to die, but here we wrestle with the thought that he did so at the perfectly appointed time. The text goes on in John chapter 19 and says this. It was the day of preparation. It was the day of preparation. You see, the day of preparation is the day before the Sabbath. you got to get all of your affairs in order. And you see, uh, to the Romans, this was no big deal. They would let people hang on a cross as long as it took. Let them suffer. But to the Jews, this was a big deal. But trust me. Their their, their desire for death to come upon these men wasn't as an act of mercy. It was this. Look, look, look at the text. For a body to be hung over the Sabbath day would actually defile the entire land. And so verse 31, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. This process is... In the Latin, crurifragium, in the Latin, it's a gruel. It's a gruel and bitter, nearly an inhumane process of smashing the lower legs of the one being crucified, causing death to occur quickly in one of three ways, either in shock either in the deep shedding of blood from the veins that run through one's legs, or this, the suffocation, because now they can't push themselves up to take a breath. And verse 32 goes on to say, and so the soldiers did as they were asked, and they they broke the legs of the first two. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he already died. And so they did not break his legs. But instead, the soldier pierced his side with a spear. But instead of breaking his legs, they pierced his side. And this, my friends, this passing over of the breaking of legs, but the piercing of his side. Indeed, here we find confidence after the final heartbeats of Jesus' chest. 
Isaiah 53 verse 5 now ought to be ringing in our ears which says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you and I peace. By his wounds. By his wounds we are healed. And so you see as that spear was thrust up under Jesus' ribcage, it pierced the heart, releasing its atoning riches. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 makes it abundantly clear that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so in verse 34, at once, the blood and the water, it flowed from Jesus' side and it hit the ground, but more importantly, covered over your sins and mine. Now look at verse 25. Look at what John says. He who saw it, which is he himself. Look, I've seen these things. He said, I am the witness. This testimony is true, and I am writing these things so that you will know that he who is telling is telling the truth. I'm writing these things so that you will believe. I'm writing these things, even these details, after Jesus' heart stopped beating so that you would have confidence to know that Jesus truly is the Son of God. That he really is the Savior of the world. And here you might say, how does this work? How do you find confidence in these moments? I get that we can find confidence in the perfect life of Jesus. I get that we can find confidence even on the atoning sacrifice in the moment that he died on the cross and bore my sins. I I get that I can find confidence there, but where confidence is there to be found in the silence? See, there are those who claim it's all a ruse, right? There are those who claim that Jesus lived his life in a way where he knew about all the messianic prophecies. And so perhaps he put himself in all the right places at at all the right times. And, And even there from the cross, doesn't the passage actually say, he said, I thirst. Why? So he could fulfill the scriptures. Is that not kind of sort of making the point that he was just kind of... Friends, in this moment, if you've been tempted to doubt in this way, may I propose to you May I encourage you to consider these events which occurred after Jesus' heart stopped beating, these events that occurred when he had no human control over what occurred. You see, in these very moments, you see that all that took place was by the very sovereign hand of God. Come on, let's break his legs and get him off the cross faster. And even in this, those who were seeking to defy and to... Get Jesus out of the way. We're actually being used by God to fulfill his will. For that which is meant for evil, God means it for good. For good. For good. Verse 36 tells us that these things took place so the scripture might be fulfilled. What things? That not one bone would be broken. You see, this was in accordance with the law written in Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, and Numbers chapter 9, verse 12, which says this, that the the spotless lamb, the spotless lamb that was to shed his blood on the altar was not to have one bone broken. And here, and here Jesus, he is our perfect Passover lamb. John goes on to say in verse 37, and again, the scriptures say this, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Check out Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. God himself will be pierced when his shepherd is pierced. Friends, these things happened that we might believe. These things happened so that you would know that Jesus' heart beat for you. These things happened so that you would know that in the final beat was the atoning sacrifice made for your heart. These things were recorded. Why? So that even in the moments that followed, God was still providing you the gracious evidence, me the gracious evidence that we would need to believe. And so, in the quiet, even as heaven awaited the cadence of Jesus' heartbeat to return, tonight you and I can find confidence in the wait. You and I can find confidence in the waiting 
in these moments of necessary silence that go from now till Sunday, friends, in this silence, we, what do we hear? We hear the deep love of Jesus. Stand and let's sing tonight. Come on.
On the way in, you should have received some communion elements. For those of you who are joining on at home, I hope you have them nearby as well. For here in the silence, we obey the Lord's command. His command to remember. He told us how he desires for us to remember. He desires for us to remember through the taking of communion, the Lord's Supper, the the bread, the cup, Reminding us of his body. Reminding us of his blood that was shed. And so we remember, we remember the last supper where Jesus took the bread. Having broke it, said, this is my body, which is for you. We remember how he took the cup and he raised it as well and said, this is my blood, which was shed As often as you take this cup and you eat of this bread, you proclaim my death until I come. So tonight we will remember. We'll remember the one who took on flesh. We'll remember the one whose heart beat with compassion for those he loved. Remember the one who was willing to endure the pain and was pierced for your sins and mine, fulfilling the Father's will. And we'll remember how he died in our place and the silence that is now was the silence that ought to be the ceasing of our heart and soul, not his. So tonight is a night of introspection. Tonight is a night of reflection for those who trust Christ, for those of you who have repented of your sins and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, you can reflect You can contemplate Christ's suffering for the humiliation that he endured for your behalf. And right in this moment, you thank him. Even now, thank the Lord for Jesus. It seems so little, doesn't it? say thank you. But yet in this moment, we remember and we proclaim. We remember and we proclaim. And by proclaiming, we actually worship Jesus in this moment. You see, it's a moment of introspection. It's a moment of contemplation. But now this, it's also a moment of invitation. For every time we come to this moment of the bread and the cup, there really is within it, just in the, in, in, the, in the holding of these elements in your hand, you're actually holding in your hand a reminder of an invitation for those of you who have received it, but for others of you, you're holding in your hand an invitation that perhaps you hadn't contemplated at this level before. What's the invitation? These elements remind you of this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again three days later. And the scriptures say this, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ did die and rose again, you can be saved. And so if you have have yet to trust in Christ as your Savior, if you have yet to confess your sins unto him, if you're not ready in this moment, you can allow, you can just allow this time to be a time of just contemplation for you. There is just, there's no judgment here. There's no need to take of these elements. Please don't feel any pressure whatsoever. However, if God's working on your heart and he has been, If the thought of your sin is weighing heavy on your heart, in this very moment, you can 
confess to the Lord that you're a sinner and that you know you need Jesus' work to cover over you. And you can be saved. And then these elements are for you. How long you got to be saved before you take communion? This many. So pray. Tell the Lord. Tell the Lord you believe. Tell the Lord you long to be with him forever and eternity. Now's the time. So Father, we pray in this moment. Our hearts are heavy with the sacrifice that your son bore for us. But yet, even within the weight of all of this, Lord, there's just a a level of appreciation. God, we're overwhelmed by your mercy and your grace and your goodness to us. Look at us. Look at our lives. Look at how you've rescued. Look at how you've saved. Look at how, Lord God, you pulled us out of the pit. God, we were living in sin. We were destined unto death, but you rescued us. God, without you, where would we be? But here we are, Lord God, having been granted the faith through you to believe these things. And so we can read John chapter 19 and say, yes, 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 God, we believe. Even in this moment, God, those in this room, would you help their unbelief? Father, there are those in this room who want to believe. Please help their unbelief in this moment. They would cry out to you right now. We love you, God. We're grateful for your son's sacrificial work for us. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night on which he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take it in remembrance of me. Take. In the same way then, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take of this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. As you take of this, you worship the Lord and you proclaim of his excellencies until he comes. Drink. I want to invite you once again, to contemplate the mercy of our Lord.
Silence. Tonight we'll sit in the silence. Tonight we find hope in the silence. Tonight we know that even in the silence of this Friday, But soon the cadence of the heart will beat again. Soon the cadence will birth form from the grave. Friends, but in the midst of this void right now, what do we do? We put our eyes and our gaze to the heavens and we put our ears to the ground. For indeed, Jesus' heart will beat again. Amen? For here we are in the silence of Friday, friends. But this we know. Come on. Sunday is coming. Say amen. Love you, friends. So, Father, we love you. Father, we reflect on you. Father, we're undeserving of the sacrifice that you endured for us, but here we stand. Meet us in the silence. That we might celebrate the joys, the delights, the glories, the riches that come in your resurrection power. But now here, we say, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. We praise you for these things now. And Jesus, your son's name, the one who died for us, Amen. We love you, friends. Go. Go in the silence and reflect.